Hey there, Empowered Tribe. It's Angela T. Moore. You're getting ready to experience the seventh episode of Empowered, a health and wellness podcast where I share my personal journey of health and healing, tips for mental and physical health, interviews with health and wellness experts and those bold enough and vulnerable enough to share their own journeys to empower you to succeed in yours. We know that life can be rewarding. It can also be challenging. It has its ups and downs, highs and lows. I learned that with a strong mind and a fit body, you are better able to grow through and grow from whatever life throws your way. My goal is to share journeys of health and wellness, as well as tips and information from extraordinary people all around the world to help you live an empowered life. My guest, Nafia Reed, is a nurse, entrepreneur, CEO, and founder of Our Enterprises and owner of Living Truth Lifestyle Medicine, where the focus is whole food, plant-based nutrition coaching and consulting. Nafia possesses a wide range of clinical experience and has practiced in traditional rest and medicine for nearly 20 years. She has taken that foundation and transition that knowledge into a lifestyle medicine practice. In this episode, Nafia shared her personal journey to become her best and healthiest self through whole food, plant-based nutrition after receiving a pre-diabetes diagnosis. She also dispelled some common myths and misconceptions about veganism and shared her vision to empower individuals to their highest level of self in all things health and wellness that lead to freedom, fun, and longevity. I hope you enjoy the episode. Nafia, I know from past conversations that your goal is to change the current standard of health care and make it better for everyone reversing lifestyle diseases that cause premature death and disabilities. Can you talk about how you think that you can accomplish really such a lofty but very important goal? It is a very lofty goal. And I believe that I can accomplish that by empowering and educating, um, partnering with others who have the same ideas that I have to help people get to that goal, to extend their lives and to eliminate those uh, diseases, those chronic lifestyle illnesses that they don't have to live with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, when we initially spoke, I share with you that I have had the honor of speaking with a number of uh, plant-based advocates, and I had done so on my radio show, such as uh, Dr. Joel Kahn, the healthy heart doc. Yes. <laughs> I always laugh the way I say that. <laughs> and Dr. Carrie Saunders, you are a uh, certified plant-based yes. uh, coach and chef. Yes. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, what can you tell us about your journey to a plant-based lifestyle? Because I understand that that wasn't always the case. That was not always the case. Um, I ate a the, the standard American diet, which we abbreviate as the sad diet. And that's for a very good reason. It is a very sad diet because it does lead to lifestyle diseases and illnesses. And I got on this journey because I gained a lot of weight. I was diagnosed as a pre-diabetic. Um, I was suffering high cholesterol and migraine headaches. I visited my healthcare professional, and as you know, I am a, a licensed healthcare professional myself. And I'm like, hey, what is our plan? And there was really no plan. Mm -hmm. uh, the instruction was stop eating this, which I didn't eat in, in the first place, and do this in moderation. And I'm like, hmm, that's not really a plan. And for two years, I suffered 
uh, with these illnesses. And I said, I have to take this into my own hands. So in those two years, I wasn't just sitting on my hands. I was doing the research and found out that a whole food plant-based lifestyle could reverse uh, diabetes and other chronic illnesses. And so I dug really deep into it, applied that to my life. And here I am now, nine years later, uh, whole food plant-based and I shouted from the rooftops mm-hmm. for anybody who was dealing with any type of chronic lifestyle disease. You know, I didn't realize it's been nine years. It's, it has been nine years. Okay. Okay. <laughs> wow. It has been yeah. nine years. So during that nine-year period, what would you say have been your greatest challenges and your greatest accomplishments and on that very important dis- journey really that you decided to start? I would say my greatest challenge, one, is learning um, what to eat, how to eat, and learning what other methodologies to pair with uh, nutrition. I like to say all the time, it's not just about nutrition. That is the foundation. But I had to learn that I had to move my body, what I needed to do physically for my body. And and I would maybe even say the the greater challenge is my mindset understanding that what I was doing uh, previously was really killing me, wasn't healing me, and thinking that, oh, a little bit of this or a little bit of that, that's not causing any harm when essentially it was. So I had to change my mindset. I had to put in place things that all together would work to benefit me. And uh, I always like to say to my clients that I I vehemently am against moderation. And I tell my clients all the time, like, if we were dealing with an individual who used illicit drugs, such as crack cocaine, marijuana, uh, heroin, any of those things, and they're trying to kick that habit, we would not tell them, you can have a little bit of this. Mm. And so I had to take that same mindset for myself with sugar. I, I was an emotional eater. I ate a lot of sugar probably everything that was not nutrient dense. Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so changing my mindset was uh, one of the biggest hurdles and one of the the greatest accomplishments. Yeah. Being able to look inward and make those decisions to live and not live with that disease. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, was the disease, uh, I don't know if you said specifically, was it diabetes? Was that pre-diabetes? Okay. And um, the first year I was diagnosed and uh, with an A1C of like 5.7. When I went back the next year, it had gone up to 6.1. Okay. And so it was progressing to type 2 diabetes. Okay. Um, I did have high cholesterol and migraines, which was coming from all of the red dye and the sugar and all of that uh, that I was eating. And I was able to reverse that, lose about 10 inches uh, off my waist and, and about 10 pounds as well. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was a great benefit to adopt this type this lifestyle. And I like to say it's a lifestyle, not just a diet, because it's more than just the nutrition portion of it. Yeah, most definitely. Well, something that I always try to encourage people to do is really when you think about um, making that decision to make a significant lifestyle change, see it as a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds kind of cliche, but a lot of times people will make a decision to stop eating something or to radically change the way that they've been eating, but they do it only for a specific time right. uh, for or for a specific event, something that's coming up, you know, a wedding, uh, a, a high school class reunion, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. as opposed to understanding that when you decide to make 
a significant lifestyle change, it needs to be a lifestyle change from the minute you start for until the rest of your life, quite honestly, for the rest of your life. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree for the rest of your life. And so that you can have a, a greater quality of life and a, a long life mm -hmm. uh, when you are implementing these lifestyle changes. That's what that lends to. I am healthier than I've ever been, stronger, faster, more focused, um, implementing these things that I do each and every day and walking and living uh, mm -hmm. in integrity and discipline in them. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Walking in integrity and discipline. I love the way you put that. Now, what's really interesting is that the question that many people ask when you talk about a plant-based diet, or I don't want to say plant-based diet, sorry, plant-based lifestyle, mm -hmm. let me correct that, is where do I get my protein if I don't eat meat? So can you talk about that very important question that many people ask? <laughs> Thank you so much for that question. <laughs> Because so many people ask that, and my response will forever be, in every plant, there is protein. Mm -hmm. But if you need um, some specific things, your whole grains, your nuts, your avocados, your legumes, your beans, there is protein in all of that. Um, if, and if you eat well, you fix that plate correctly. So 25% of that plate is what we like to separate out as protein, although protein is in all of the plant life, 25% uh, carbohydrates, and then the other 50% all vegetables, you're going to get well over what you need for your protein. But some very specific examples are your avocado, mm -hmm. peanut butter, your nuts, uh, your whole grains, whole grains, um, not just, you know. Yeah, and thank you for highlighting that because it is a significant difference there between. Is, yeah. There is a very significant difference. Um, and I try and express that as I am doing meal plans, meal prep, and educating people on what they eat. You don't have to worry about missing out on protein. You will get that. And uh, another great example, look at the animals and we can specifically look at a gorilla mm -hmm. or an elephant, how big and strong they yeah. are. They, they don't eat any meat. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not lacking and anything. And they're not lacking anything. <laughs> <laughs> they don't eat any meat, any no. eggs, any dairies. It's all plant, all plant life. And yeah. they are very, very strong. So Very strong, yes. right? So yeah. you don't be missing anything. <laughs> well, now, another, something else that's very interesting is that people, people excuse me, often use the phrases uh, vegan diet and whole food plant based diet interchangeably, nutrition, uh, as, it, as it relates to nutrition. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important to specify that the difference is really significant. The difference is really significant. And Angela, you are on fire today. <laughs> the, it's like you're reading everybody's mind. <laughs> um, the, the greatest, the biggest difference between a vegan diet mm -hmm. and a whole food plant-based diet is a vegan diet is still inclusive of high amounts of sugar, mm. salt, oil, um, meat, eggs, dairy. Uh, well, not not a vegan diet is not no meat, eggs, and dairy in there, but salt, oil, and sugar mm -hmm. in a vegan diet. Highly processed. Mm. Uh, you're eating out of a box or a bag. Mm. Uh, lots of frozen food. Where a whole food plant based diet is intentionally absent of those things. So it's intentionally absent of salt, oils, and sugars. Mm -hmm. uh, 
a whole food plant-based diet should be made up of 80 to 90 percent of unpackaged foods mm-hmm. and you you are excluding the junk food and intentionally including plant life mm-hmm. intentionally including your fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. so that that's the difference so i was a vegan i i had that title of <laughs> vegan uh, <laughs> i i like to say for the first year when i was diagnosed i was um a con vegan. That's a made up word. Okay. Well, what did you, you what did you say? A con, a con vegan. vegan. Okay. And what I love that. that. Is, I, w- it, I was a convenient vegan. So okay. when it was convenient for me to be vegan, I was. Okay. And if it wasn't, you know, pass me the seafood. It's okay. I can eat seafood. Right. And then the second year when I still had these super high numbers, mm-hmm. I was a standard American vegan. So I'm, I'm not eating any meat, eggs, dairy or seafood. But I'm still eating potato chips because it's vegan. <laughs> Sugar, it's vegan. I see. You yeah. know, Oreos are vegan. Oh, <laughs> Fritos are vegan. Okay. And so my I diet <laughs> consisted of a lot of uh, things that weren't helping me to bring those numbers down, weren't helping me to get better. So that's the difference. You can be a vegan and eat a lot of junk. And you might have heard the question, and I don't mean any offense to anybody. I've had someone say to me, why why be a vegan? I I. I see heavy vegans, and I'm like, that's because they're eating the wrong food. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. vegan and not whole food plant-based. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so funny because something that I've recognized is that uh, God has done a really good job of providing all the foods that we need, and they they actually arrive perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and unfortunately, a lot of things are done to those foods that we have to be on guard for, but you know, I don't know that you can get any better than an apple oh <laughs> or a sweet potato uh, kale as it naturally is. Yes, it's when we start messing with it that I think makes it really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the truth. That is the truth. I've had people argue with me and say God made everything and said that we could eat everything. It's not what God has made, it's perfect and good. It's mm. what we have done to it. Right. <laughs> so I said in one of my latest uh, episodes on my podcast that until I was a, an adult, mm-hmm. I had never heard of a seedless word, never even seen a seedless watermelon because mm-hmm. growing up, every watermelon I had ever seen had the seeds in it. Oh, most definitely. So that, that was a newer thing. And I was so afraid to eat. I'm like, Everything should have a seed. Everything that grows, grows from a seed. So now you're telling me we have seedless watermelons and grapes and, you know. Yeah. So all of the genetically modified food is not very good for us. And if it's genetically modified, can you imagine when you ingest that, Mm -hmm. what's happening to your body, the changes that are happening in your body? Well, you know, it makes me think about something that actually made me stop consuming dairy products a long time before I uh, radically changed the way that I eat and have eaten for years. Somebody asked the question, why do we consume the milk of a cow? And I thought about that and I said, you know, no other species drinks the milk of another animal. Why do we drink the milk of cows? And who said that was okay? (laughs) And is it okay? You know, or are we literally doing something? Are there, you know, millions of people that are consuming cow products? Let's just say cow products. Mm -hmm. 
that are unaware of the damage it's doing to their body. Well, I they are. We know that um, people drink milk every day, and number one, we don't need milk beyond our infant years. That's number one, and no one, as you as you were leading to, should be drinking the milk of another species. Mm-hmm. We as humans produce our own milk to feed our own babies. And so when you are drinking milk of another species, you're taking milk from their babies. And we wonder why we're so sick, why we can't process this. A lot of individuals are lactose intolerant or have a milk allergy. They, they are two different things. But our bodies are not made to break that down. It's not for us. We are not cows or goats mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, other animal milk you drink. We're humans. And, so, and we only need that human milk up to one years old. You can feed your child beyond that, mm-hmm. but you only require the milk to get your digestion ready to eat solid food up until a year old. Okay. And that should be human milk. Most definitely. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense, right? It seems yes. logical. <laughs> <laughs> now, your ultimate mission is to advance health equity and improve health, out- health outcomes and quality of life within, I wanna make sure I emphasize this, historically marginalized communities through whole food, uh, plant-based nutrition, which we've been talking about. And your goal is really to improve health and wellness outcomes. Why are you so passionate about that? And I I wanna emphasize the fact that you specifically said in the notes that I have on you, uh, historically marginalized communities, why is that so important? It is very important because in those communities, and unfortunately, this is still happening today, we are not beyond that. Um, in marginalized communities, they don't have a lot of grocery stores. Mm-hmm. They don't have gardens. They don't have the uh, infrastructure or resources about eating well um, and the difference of being sick and well. Some people live a sick life and that's all they know. And they believe that that's their destiny. And that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. You don't have to live with a chronic disease because your grandmother or grandfather or even mother and father uh, had those diseases. It's not uh, for sure your destiny and there's something you can do about it. So I focus on these communities uh, because a lot of times they don't have the resources. Mm -hmm. They don't know better. And it's important that we get in and help these people to know better, to see different, um, advocate to do better. If you can't expect that someone get, gets well or eats well or even does what their care provider has planned for them to do if they don't have a grocery store in their neighborhood to eat that food. All they have is a gas station mm-hmm. where they can only buy chips and high sodium things, um, noodles or things in a can, uh, soda, things like that. They can't they don't have access to fresh vegetables. Mm-hmm. And so I want to. Be able to, um, again, empower, support and educate not just those people, but the communities that they live in and those who make the decisions that this is what we need for a healthier world, a healthier state, a healthier community. It's just going to make for a better place for all of us when everybody or the majority of us are well. Most definitely. Yeah. Quite honestly, I feel like we are all part of, you know, yes, we are all part of the human race, but we are all part of wonderful, perfectly made individuals that collectively form communities. 
And if one of us is ill, it has an effect on, on others. And Absolutely. I think we have to think from that perspective and not so think, think so individualistic and think more collective. And I think if we can start doing that, I think what we'll find is that we can not only improve our own health, health outcomes and those people from our communities, but also in the communities that will live beyond us. Yes. And thank you for spotlighting that, how um, if one individual is ill in whatever way. And, and again, I mean, mind, body and spirit, it does affect the entire community. Imagine if, uh, and I'm just going to use our males, if everybody could work and support the community, how we could grow and develop our communities, if we were whole, mind, body and spirit, if we were well, mind, body and spirit, how mothers could support uh, one another and improperly raise our children who will then take that information and properly raise their children. So it's, it's, you know, it's not just about right now, it's generational. That, that's my goal, it's generational, that mm -hmm. we uh, pass good information on and on and on and change history um, from what it has been. Yeah, because unfortunately, when we do not make change, we have the um, unfortunate thing that we do is that we, cont we tend to repeat. Absolutely the mistakes of those people before us. And, and, and I think the unfortunate thing is what we fail to realize is that it has a negative impact on not only our families, but all those that we are connected to. And then we find ourselves, you know, years later not being any better for what we could have learned or should have learned prior. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And when, because I do focus on food a lot. Mm -hmm. I think about um, our history with food. And I talk about the things that we have historically eaten and why we eat those things. A lot of the things that we eat um, in the black community is because that's what was given to us. Mm -hmm. And I, I have termed it um, slave food. So mm -hmm. a lot of the uh, things that some families still think are the best things ever, I'm like, why would you eat that? Mm -hmm. And the only reason it was eaten before is because it was given to them. And so what happened is just what I'm saying. It has been passed down mm -hmm. and passed down instead of saying we can do better mm -hmm. than this. And, and, and that's my goal to help people understand you can do better and there is better. And when you know better, you do better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 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 my goal to, to have people to know better so that they will do better. Yeah. I think it's important that we all make the ultimate decision that we all want to be healthier, regardless of what you've done prior to uh, you come into that realization. Like there are some people are going to hear this podcast and they be, mo be motivated to make some significant changes in their life. And I think that you can use opportunities like this as an opportunity to make significant change in your life, but you can also share that information, that knowledge, that wisdom that you gain with other people so that they can make changes as well. And I think we need to encourage each other to get out of doing something that you've always done 
if it's proven to be unhealthy for you. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And that has been my goal. Even when I was at the bedside was to encourage people to make a change, to make a decision. I I normally say that when I'm speaking to someone, make a decision to live differently, make a decision to live and not die. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. It is not your portion. Your portion is to live and to live life abundantly. And if you are well, can you just imagine mm-hmm. you, if you think you live good now, you know, right, right? Can you imagine if you are well, your whole body is well, you're strong, your uh, spouse is well, your children are well, the the greatness that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. And so that's it. We have to encourage people constantly. And so that's what I'm doing each and every day is encouraging individuals to make a decision, mm-hmm. just make a decision to, to live well. And I, I try and demonstrate that as well as an example. It's right. not just talk. I do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you would say that because I think, quite honestly, that's people's uh, experience when they go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. They are listening to this doctor give them a diagnosis and the doctor has prescribed a certain type of care. And oftentimes the physician that you're looking at it's noticeable that they're not of optimal health themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be very discouraging when you have someone that's giving you advice to improve, let's just say your physical health. And you can obviously tell that they are not in optimal health. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to guide you on a path that they have not taken, absolutely. successfully taken. Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Angela, and I can speak on this uh, because I am a healthcare professional mm-hmm. and I was this person. Mm-hmm. The majority of your healthcare professionals that are providing care plans are the unhealthiest individuals. And that is that was kind of the ignition mm-hmm. um, for me because I didn't want to be a hypocrite. I'm telling people every day, you need to eat this, you need to do that, you have to move your body. And so I'm on both sides now Mm -hmm. of the exam table. Mm -hmm. I'm the care provider and I'm the patient and I never wanted to be the patient. Mm -hmm. And and so I was embarrassed. I felt like a hypocrite. I was confused. And I said, oh no, you're not gonna get in anybody's face and tell them what they should and shouldn't be doing and you don't have it right. And so I was very quick <laughs> to get it right. And yeah. because I've done that, I know that it is possible for others. And so that that is where my passion comes from. I'm like, this is possible for you. We don't, you know, you think that your care provider has the best intentions and they do. I will say most of them have the mm-hmm. best intentions, but unless they have walked the walk, it is difficult. Uh, to tell someone else what they should be doing. Yes, definitely. Well, that's why we have shows like this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, in the final like four minutes of the show today, I want to give you the opportunity to share some final thoughts for someone that's going to be listening to this podcast and wants to make significant change in their life. And they uh, want to hear something that's going to motivate them but also empower them to actually make the change? Well, I would say, first of all, you have to know your why. What is your why? Mm, That's really significant, your why. Yeah, Mm. your why is very significant. Um, 
it could just be for you, but what about your children? Mm-hmm. Again, what I, I just spoke about changing generations beyond you. Um, we talked about making a decision. I know that people want to be well. People don't like to be overweight and feel sick. I know that you don't. No one wants to feel that way. Mm-hmm. So make that decision to live well. You have to make a decision. I can't make it for you. You can't make it for them. Mm-hmm. People have to make a decision. And if you need help, there is so much help available to you. I'm here. Angela's here. <laughs> and, and I said food is a foundation, mm-hmm. but it's more than that. So seek the help that you need. Um, if that's behavior help, therapy, counseling, physical help, whatever it is, reach out to get that help and support so that you can get started and reach your goals. Mm-hmm. That That's the advice I would give. Yeah, that's really great advice. So I think oftentimes people want to make significant changes, but I think the thought of the process that you would have to implement seems overwhelming. Yes. And I think what you're emphasizing and what you have said is that you don't have to do it alone. And in those areas where you feel like you need help, reach out. Reach out for help. Yeah. And, and it is. It's not... I don't promise anybody that it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard work, mm-hmm. but you can do it. You mm-hmm. absolutely can do it. And especially if you get the right support and you dedicate yourself to being successful, you can you can accomplish whatever your goals are. We know I'll end with this. It's a lot harder, though, to be unhealthy and be sick. Say it, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> really, it really is. It, is. It, it really is. And so I hope that those that are listening uh, to the podcast will really think about some of the things that you said and really think about what I just said, Mm -hmm. that it's a lot harder to be sick. It is a lot harder to be sick, so much harder. I know people say that they can't afford Mm -hmm. uh, help, they can't afford to get a coach or whatever it is that they need. You cannot afford to be sick. Most definitely. That's going to be very expensive. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Very expensive. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share your knowledge, your wisdom, your passion, your expertise with those that are going to be listening to the podcast. I uh, thank you so much for being committed to the health of not just yourself, but those other individuals within your community. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy speaking with you Mm -hmm. and anything that I can do to help others. That's what I will do. <laughs> yes, I know it. I know it to be true as you are living proof that of that. So thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Empower It with Angela T. Moore. Feel free to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. New episodes come out weekly. Follow our show on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now. <laughs>